We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the truth. A small business. We got the truth. We do oftentimes. We got the truth. We got the big truth. It's my truth. A small business. It's Dan's truth. Sponsored by Objective yes, Truth. Yes, I rent. Yes, I rent property management. We place good tents and collect your rent. Maintain your properties and account for it. True. We got the truth. We got the truths. We got the big truths. Small business sponsored by Yes, I rent. Mm. And here we go. We have a special... First off, welcome to the big truce of small business. Joe, I want to welcome you back. Thank you. Hey, it's good to have you. Yeah. And I want to welcome a guy. That he looks somewhat familiar to you. He does. Somewhat familiar. Uh, John, Jim, help me out. It, <laughs> Dan. 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 Okay, Dan. I'm sorry, Dan. I'm sorry, Dan. It's okay. This is, this is Dan Watkins, father of co-founder of Yes, I Rent, Joe, Joseph Watkins. Joe, that's a good. What's Joe's middle name, by the way? I don't know that I know that. Daniel. <laughs> Daniel. Well, of course it is. Makes sense. A far, a, a, far be, a far better name than, than Joe, by the way. So this is Dan the Man. This is Dan yeah. the Man. He's a contributor yeah. to the show. Yeah. And, and we're going to coin his contribution as the Dan Angle. The Dan Angle. The Dan Angle will be brought to you today in our topic. So he is, again, like a, he's like a third host today. So Dan's not just dad coming over uh, to the pot. Dan, and I'm going to give him a chance to kind of, he's been on the show before, but I think it's appropriate to give a little bit of a background and resume as to why when we think of business truth, we might tap Dan here. So Dan, what'd you do for a living? Uh, well, I, I worked for Motorola for 35 years, the last 35 years of my career. And uh, for much of that time, I was a uh, technical field tech rep. Okay. Okay, basically what, what that was was when the technicians couldn't fix the problem, the tech rep came in and brought a briefcase and a magic wand. All right. Okay, and we fixed the problem. Uh, I went from that into uh, a field engineering consulting, which is basically a sales engineer. Right. Okay, so I went out with salespeople, and I brought the technical expertise to, to ascertain what the customer needed and bring together and develop the equipment list to provide what they needed. And then the last five years of my career, I was a field quality manager, uh, which basically I was the liaison between uh, the customer and the company for any issues that they have. So who would be some of the customers we would recognize when you say you come out, you sort of fix the problem? Who who would you do that for? Well, fundamentally, uh, our biggest our biggest customers was, uh, and for Motorola Solutions still is, uh, is public safety, okay. fire departments, police departments, sheriff's departments, so forth. So, so uh, one of the the first huge communication systems I worked on was uh, for DeKalb County uh, a number of years ago, 25, 30 years ago, when a new technology was being was was being rolled out and uh, for two-way communications. Uh, Cab County was the first one in the country to buy it from Motorola, and I was involved in it. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Very cool. Joe, we're going to skip your resume for a moment. It's nowhere near as impressive as what your dad just rolled <laughs> off right there, so I don't want to uh, have any downer uh, version of that. But today, our topic, 
topic we, we actually talk about a lot. And, and when people hear this term, they're immediately going to go somewhere maybe that, that we're not quite going, but it's in the same idea, same family. Fake news in your business, right? Fake news, I should almost say within your business. What is the fake news that is within your business that may be influencing people in, within your business? That's right. I, and I think we got this topic because we had kind of a round table here for the last hour. And, and a lot of what we talk about is fake news in general and that term and really politics and, and, and not so much that, but the inability to extract something real from the media these days. I mean, it kind of depends on, uh, you know, we talk about polarization and it kind of depends on what has Facebook or Instagram or your social media identified you as, which camp are you in? And whatever camp you're in, you tend to get fed that news during the day, right? So, I mean, if, if all you hear is that, you're not hearing the other perspective, then you're sort of adopting perhaps uh, a, a perspective that's built off of a half-truth or three-quarters of a truth. Uh, so anyway, we, we thought it'd be fun to kind of take a look at your business and what are you telling yourself or what are you hearing, what's being reported to you that's being held out to be the truth it may not be true at all. Or reported to your people. Reported to or your reported people. to your vendors. That's right. Or reported to anybody you're, you're in contact with in your business that may have an impact. That's right. In your business. Yeah. It's just circulating throughout throughout your business. I think every business to some degree, no matter how big or small, you mentioned before Motorola had, what, 100,000 plus uh, employees. At, at its peak. Yeah. At its peak. So uh, so I, I, we'll start off maybe there and, and, and whittle that down a little bit. Because as we discussed, even in a company, I mean, when you have 100,000 employees at the end of the day, you've got to create a lot of small businesses within that large business to produce right. a result. Good. Right. So we were discussing earlier about, uh, you know, uh, different CEOs or different leadership that took over. And the way that they're seeing it from a top-down approach and the fake news that they they received and kind of what happened at Motorola because of that. So have you maybe shared the story? I think you referred to it as uh, the empowered period the of empowered Motorola. Period, I'd, yeah. I'd like yeah, to share right. that story if you could. Well, the the, uh, the the fake news that you refer to, is, is there's two kinds of fake news as I see it. One is the fake news that comes from outside, actually from news sources that may not be accurate, that influences the way your your company operates and the people inside your company operates. And then there is uh, the fake news that the leadership of the company might get from their employees actually inside the company. Okay. Okay. So uh, one of the, the things that, uh, that, that we saw at Motorola is, of course, I was there for a long time, so every management style and every philosophy that you can think of, we went through. Motorola even hired people from outside the company to say, okay, come and teach us now how to do this. Mm. Okay. And one of the ones that we did that probably was, may have been the most detrimental to the company overall was the empowerment period. And that's when, you know, we had, uh, when we went to training classes and, and all kinds of things. So everybody got trained on what does it mean to be empowered. And basically they were flattening the organization so that they were moving down lower in the company, the capacity to make bigger decisions right. with the results being to keep the customer satisfied and be able to do it quicker because you were doing it at a lower level. Sounds very good. On the face, it actually, it was, very it actually, solid. It actually was, was good. What that depends upon, though, it depends upon the integrity of your workforce. Right. Okay, if you have a workforce who's 
whose uh, uh, best interest of the company is at heart, and everybody functions in the, along those lines, it, it actually would work very well. Mm-hmm. But as we know, uh, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Sure, people are. People. And when you are empowered, it's a form of the word power. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <clears throat> yeah. And the more power they got, the more. Uh, of the of the not so good employees would take advantage of that. That's right. Mm. They would take advantage of it fundamentally to help themselves yeah. rather than help the company. Yeah. So we would have things like uh, uh, salespeople would would add things to an order of a customer that was buying a huge system, pull those things out when they got delivered before they got installed and then sell them under the table to another customer and pocket that money. Well, first off, really? let me, let me wow. stop you there. Shocking that the sales team would do, participate in anything like that. <laughs> oh, it, it's, <laughs> that, it's, that, it's that sounds much more like oh, the engineering. It sounds just like the salespeople that I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, salespeople. Sales, salespeople are kind of wheeler dealers. Okay. And if you give, if you empower them, to wheel and deal, they will. Wheel so that and deal. brings to mind: be point. careful what you incentivize. Exactly. You know when you're when you're flattening the organization. Obviously, there were some some goals behind that they were trying to achieve. What What do you think fundamentally they were? What were the, What were the stated goals behind this flattening? the The stated goals behind the flattening of the organization was a quicker response time to the customer, and that, and that's a good goal. That's a good goal. And, and flattening the organization does that. It does. It does because you're, yeah. you're, you're, the, the decision's happening right here. That's right, right here. Hmm. So who's making the decision is is who is closest to the customer and closest to the customer's need. Mm-hmm. And and I made decisions that that during that period I never would have made that could have made the decision before that period right. or after that period, but. Uh, I was I was able to do it, and I, could, I mean I could talk to the customer. I knew the situation. I knew what was happening. Right. I could make the decision, call in the troops, make it happen overnight. Like you said, if that's in the hands of of call it the corrupt, right? Then then corrupt things happen. That's right. So what what we what we saw happen was over two or three years that we were in that period, we saw lots of examples of where it started to deteriorate among the corrupt that were empowered. And uh, and then Motorola started to turn that back around and got so vertical that you could hardly get anything done. Right, so, sort of that yin and yang extreme. Right. So th- this sounds like a, a big company thing again. It's not at all. And I, and I give a example, a personal example from growing up. I remember my dad ran a small business for about fifteen years, an air freight business, and uh, super small. You know, him and maybe eight to 10 employees at its largest. But, you know, my dad worked a lot. And I remember it was kind of a big thing in our house when he hired somebody and brought him in as a, uh, as a manager of some type. I was too young to really know exactly the guy's role. But the, the way it was positioned to us as the family was, we finally got John here. We finally found a good guy. And he's going to take some weight off your dad. And your dad's going to get freed up. And, man, this is just going to be such a huge lifestyle. I, mean, I remember this as a kid. Why do I remember? It must have been talked about a lot, you know. Well, as I got older and I found out whatever happened to John, John spent his time stealing the business. <laughs> wow. Sounds, sounds familiar. Huh. 
So, so you know, this hits hard uh, with small business, especially. So, empowering the wrong person, right, or, or you know, the wrong situation, uh, let's put can some, be the end of your in business. Fact, in fact, at a small business, it, it hits even harder. Okay, yeah. absolutely. Because of, because a business the size of Motorola, they could they could absorb it, yeah. an awful lot of crap that went on before they decided to turn that around. Yeah, your your small team is our whole business. Exactly. I mean it just 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 knocked the legs out from underneath us. Yeah. So that 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 reminds me of of what you know, what are some guardrails that need to be put in when you when you empower lower levels. Mm -hmm. And that to me that goes back to what data does the leadership have that they're able to review. So for instance, in my Chick-fil-A days, um, as you, as I, uh, and that's a small business. It's just a one restaurant deal, you know, as I empowered a, an 18 year old to run a night shift, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah. He's running your business at night, you know, but you couldn't, you know, I couldn't afford anything else at that time. How's it, that first night, by the way, when you leave and the 18 year old is at the, at the ship, I'm calling him every, you know, 45 minutes. <laughs> is the place burned down yet? You good? <laughs> But uh, as you empower this eighteen-year-old to run the shift, um, wh- what are some guardrails that give me some some idea of what's going on? And I think this is what we struggle with in small business. So, for instance, I had a a, a guy that came back from college. This was heartbreaking to me. He's one of my best fifteen-year-olds when I hired him. Goes off to college, comes back, has a different worldview. Mm. Got tainted in his worldview. Comes back and, 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 but he was so phenomenal, such a good kid. I, I just, he, he was a supervisor, which means some of the, the, the supervisors have been doing it a while. They could run a night shift. Sure. People looked up to him. So he ran some shifts when he came back the next summer. And uh, boy, my food cost was out of whack. The very first month, I mean, I do food cost and I don't remember the numbers exactly, but just let's say food costs were around 26% close back in that day i get and i'm, I'm 28 percent mm. and and two percent think about two percent over a whole month it's a lot of dollars yeah it is so first thing i look at okay is, is chicken cost relatively similar that's the one that would fluctuate it was i'm going okay two percent either we made a bad counting error or we we got a problem but it's hard to dial in on it or, or believing that you have a problem so I didn't do much about it month one. Month two, I have about a three and a half percent gap. New ouch. Summer month two, I have a three and a half percent gap between twenty six percent. I think we hit like thirty point five percent. I'm like, holy smokes! Let, let me just say, if this ends, if this story ends up with this kid selling chicken out of the back of the Chick Fil A, <laughs> I'm gonna love this story. Keep keep going, keep going. Could have been. It's okay. similar enough. Four and a half percent doesn't just show up overnight. That's huge. There, there's a problem. And so what I knew immediately at that point is somebody's stealing from me. You just know. That means sales, sales are under under reflected of the product or products going out the back door. I mean something. Yeah. And so because of good reporting, mm-hmm. because you're in an environment where a system has been created, we go back and we start looking at these reports, and what the reports show me is for every single cashier, we had what was called a cashier keystroke report. We could find out exactly how many deletions they had through the process, how many deletions after total. That was a big mm-hmm. one, deletions after total. Uh-huh. 
and in, in, in what your check average is and compare that to the group. You compare it to the group on that night, compare it to the group throughout the month, and that kind of thing. Well, you expect your supervisors, managers to have the highest check average because they're doing a better job of upselling. They're doing a better job of selling desserts, yep. whatever. And you're going to have less cashier deletions after total because you're, you're better. Mm-hmm. You don't make mistakes as much. Runs reports, and it's just, it's just, it's so glaring. It's so glaring. This guy's average uh, check average was well below, well below the normal employee, much less the supervisor. Mm-hmm. His cashier uh, deletions after total, out of sight. So then you start, then because of that, you can go, okay, let me dial in a little further. I can look at every single transaction, ring up a number one combo. And by, back then, we'd ring up a number one and then put in the drink. So number one, T, number one, large T. Mm-hmm. Delete large T after total. Mm. Hey, your total's 498. Whew, 498 came in my hand. Delete. Boom. I just I just created a dollar fifty of free cash. Right. Still on front of me. <laughs> what what was the number? <clears throat> what was the hard dollar number? You remember you remember? Well, I mean, uh I can't remember. I, that was summer, so that would be um, it's making a 4% difference on the yeah. cost of goods. So, uh, I mean, it's thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars wow. because he was working a lot when he came back. Wow. So he was, so he was actually stealing cash. Yes. By deleting sales, by deleting sales, but it was showing up as where you was able to see it. And the data was the food cost, right? And the deletions after total and his check average. Right. Right. So my point being, that if we don't have proper data to evaluate the, the 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 empowerment that we give, then we possibly don't know what's happening exactly. and, and and why. Yeah, and we struggle with that in small business. Right. That's definitely, we don't have the data. That's definitely oftentimes now big business they got data. They got data, and they and they and they pull back and they move. And but in small business, a lot right. of times we we don't have the data. Right, and 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 they can hurt us because we can just we can go. Are we just are, are, are we that underperforming, or we don't know what's happening? I mean, the average small restaurant out there right now don't have this information. They don't have this information. They, they they don't they have access to it. They don't know it's there. They don't use it. They don't do their inventory every month. They don't do it every month at the same time. Whatever it may be, they don't really know why their food cost fluctuates. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so that's so that's. That data is the news, right? Uh, and and that's news that would not be fake. No. Okay. That's the that's the news that would determine whether or not you've got fake news right. coming from your employees. Fake news is we had less sales this year than last year, same right. month. Right. We're not selling as many ice creams this month as last month. Right. That's fake news. But, so you brought up a good, good question a while ago when you said, what, what are the guardrails that you can put up to prevent that? You know, having the data to be able to determine that it happened and catch them at it later is different than having the guardrails up that prevents it. Well, I would suggest that the first guardrail is that you have the data because most small businesses ignore the data so if or they don't even have the data. If your employees know that you have the data to determine that, then that's at a guardrail. At least you're catching it at an interval. And be able to make adjustments based on it. But we go, you know, oftentimes so blinded for so long. And we, 
let's raise prices because our food cost is just too high. Right, right. <laughs> wow. We raise our prices because the bartender is giving away drinks left and right? <laughs> That's really good. You know, That's good business. Poor data, bad decision. Right. You know, the guardrail is have the data and actually look at it. I think it's the first one that I think small business misses on quite often. Right. And, and it would be a guardrail for your, for your employees to know that you have Absolutely. That yeah. You know, and it could be, okay, if we determine that if you're, in a, if you're running a bar, the second guardrail would be, okay, let's put a camera on my, bar, on my bartender. Right. Let's see how he pours the drinks. Right. Are bottles leaving the door? Because it might not be the bartender. It might be that there's a bad server who's pocketing bottles on the way out. Or it could be that the bartender's pouring, you know, two ounces instead of one. Same result, different problem. That's what it right. is on the bar makeover show most of the time. It's a, it's a, it's a poor pour, right? Poor pour, pour, yeah. pour too much. So I think all that's true. I mean, I think that when it comes to getting data, that kind of skips down a, a little bit in my notes in terms of solving the issue, which is measurables and data, right? I mean, and, and we know that uh, the accounting function or the reporting function is definitely one that small business owners do not champion uh, for, no. for the most part. And that's their fake news. It's their, their number fake one fake news yeah. is, yeah. I'm not good at accounting. I don't like accounting. I don't even appreciate accounting. Well, I, I've got a couple other versions of this. I mean, no doubt. Uh, but Before you do that, yeah. I, want, I want to go back to the bar. The bar? Yeah. Well, let's go right now. I want to go, I want to go back to the bar. <laughs> Here it is. There is. Let's go back to the bar because we, talk, we talked about, you know, uh, I'd pour in two ounces instead of one. and pour, You know, you, you guys ever been to a bar where they have computer measured shots? Yeah. Okay. As opposed to a free pour bar? Right. I, I don't like those. I've never computer been. measured. Yeah, so you're bringing in. Is this some high end? Well, what he's br- I've never been. What there. he's bringing in is 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 the balance we all have to make. That's right. Because as a customer, okay, I feel like that you've aimed that directly at me. Right. When you have that computer, I, pour. I completely agree with you. I want a bartender to free pour for me. You want to exactly. Well, the guy that does this that knows how to stop it an ounce and then put it together real quick, yeah, right? He, yeah. That's the guy you want. That's, that's the guy you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you, sir. <laughs> and and kind of to your point with the Motorola story, careful as leaders or owners what you wish for. You know, we want to get this product out quicker. We want to be more responsive to the customer, but not to the detriment of the rest of our business, right? No, I mean, no. And 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 the, you know, and that and that empowerment can spill over. Okay, in, in other ways, like I, I mentioned uh, earlier about the you know the sales guy because they all had company cars, mm. and the sales guy sales guy who had a company car, uh, and decided that he wanted uh, to have a moonroof right. in his company car. Right. That wasn't an authorized thing. Yeah. Okay, but he had, had become so comfortable with feeling empowered that he went and spent two thousand. Oh, that was on the company. Yeah. He, he spent $2,000. He works for Motorola, baby. Why not? Huh? <laughs> I'm worth they, it. They got plenty of money. Yeah. He spent $2,000 having an aftermarket moonroof or sunroof put in his car oh, and put it on his car expense report. <laughs> who was it, Dan? Well, it was a car expense. Who, you would know who it was. I mean, <laughs> you know how to do that. Dan's saying all this like it's a bad thing. I'm coming from the sales guys, but I'm thinking. I, I was going to say. I, I, He's been for like three weeks trying to get like a BMW 9 Series on the company. I, I'm thinking, 
thinking, wait a minute, is he empowered? Why would no. I? Oh, yes. Uh, oh, yes. He, yes. He can't sign the checks. <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful BMW, too. But, well, yeah, I mean, who, who, who thought so little of their sales guy they didn't get him a moonroof would be kind of my, my perspective on that. Maybe he should look for a different job. Well, he, well, he did. He did. I bet he did. Yeah, real quickly. Can I bring you fake news number two? Please. What is it? Fake news number two. Very short list you got over there, by the yeah, way. One. <laughs> I, I thought you had plenty of long list. Yeah. Fake news number two. This is one we feel often. And this is just, you know, I want, I want to know how, as a consumer, as a business owner, how do we, do we deal with this fake news? Your reputation online your three-star mm. Google, your one, your last three one-star Google reviews that somehow we've decided as a culture that Google and Facebook and Yelp's stars are are the value of our business. It's com- and, it, and it's there's a lot of fake news in this. That's probably the worst fake news that there is. It's a ton of fake news because it comes from so many sources. And they do it just because you've pissed them off. Yeah, it can be completely invalid. Right. Yet, it's what we judge and, 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 and buy based on so often. Incredible. That's partially true. So I'm going to classify what you just said as fake news, okay? Because there's a partial truth in what you're saying. Here, here's what I find to be true. It's situational. Online reviews. Can, are we going to talk about is this? Is this the show? Are we going to talk about online reviews Let's go. right now? Okay, you got a, you got a couple hours on you, Dan. <laughs> um, well, it is fake, <laughs> and it can be fake news. So we deal with it all the time, and we definitely deal with fake news. In fact, uh, online reviews, uh, lots of times, are competitors who are <sighs> unshielded can just log in and just you know leave a horrible review. So having said that, okay, I, I agree with that. Situational because I think the business you're in. You know, we're in a business where we're collecting rent. We're taking security deposits. When somebody damages a prop, we're in a business that yields itself. So, you know, most consumers don't know that, having said that. Our our target customer doesn't necessarily know that. Now, if they read some of the reviews and they start seeing patterns, hey, these seem to be tenants who are complaining that there was damage to the house and you took their deposit. Okay. Well, wait a minute. Here's the, the, the potential fake news in that. Um, and I had this beef with the Better Business Bureau years ago as I was doing business with them, and they were reflecting certain things. I said, hey, you know, at some point they gave me, I think I went to a C rating years ago. Mm. And, and I'm going, okay. So when I first joined you, I had 150 properties under management. I'm at this sales volume. Now I'm at 1,700 properties. So clearly the percentage of, of, of angry customers will go up. I mean, that percentage will go up, but the, the volume will go up in, in a much up, yeah. bigger business. And so for you, and I wrote a whole uh, uh, dialogue on this, whole, whole report that I sent to them because they were just degrading me as my business was like quadrupling you know, getting at some point was 10 times what it was when I first joined them and they were bumping me down over some, some, some reviews and I'm, and it wasn't representative of my business. It was fake news. Right. And it doesn't mean that there wasn't problems. It just meant that, that, that that cast 
a shadow over the whole business, much bigger business than this one interaction. I think that's the environment that we're that we're dealing with here and the fake part of this is how do we as customers, how we as business owners help to cast on our potential client what these reviews are about. I mean, this is what they're living by. How, how do we combat, how do we combat online, it? online fake news? Well, A, first off, I think you accept it. I don't think you spend it's part a, of it. I don't think you spend a lot of time in dealing with Yelp. And by the way, you and I had a great call with Yelp Gosh. a few months ago, where we you really gotta pay, you got to pay them to deal with we, anything. We we really encouraged the representative uh, we were speaking with and told him to have a great day. Thought his business <laughs> philosophy was outstanding. Maybe a little different than that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, look, well, here's what I find to be true when I go to a restaurant that's got a 4.5 rating and 1,200 reviews. It's a pretty good restaurant with 1,200 reviews. Yes. When, when I when I go to a restaurant that's got a 2.3 rating and 1,200 reviews. It's a pretty mm. bad restaurant. Yeah. So I think because of that, because you have to accept that that is true, mm-hmm. like in that version of that business, then your customer is going to compare you to the unfairly, unjustly, perhaps, on what you're doing here. They're going to compare you to that, regardless of volume, right? So I think you accept it is, is, is where you begin to combat it. And you do what I think we're trying to do in our business, which is become intentional about getting the people that like you and have had a good experience with you setting a process in place where they're going online and you're not just letting things happen. You ask them for it. You ask so the, so the, so the restaurant it. business has the most valuable, that's just an emotional experience, good or bad. In our world, eh, the emotional experience, the emotional experience. The most likely emotional experience. The most likely emotional experience yeah. is bad. If everything's clicking, for, if everything's for, clicking for, along, for who your your tenants or your owners? Either owner has an ex, just a basic expectation: going to collect the rent, you know, going to get, you know, going to get maintenance taken care of. As soon as rent doesn't get paid, now tenant could have had a seven hundred and fifty credit score, and then her husband just went to prison, right? And she can't afford the rent anymore, right? It has nothing to do with us. But rent doesn't come in, in in his world or her world. It's sort of a we're psych- not very good. Sort of a cycle. We didn't collect the rent. Right? Having having previously been a property owner, with yes, I rent. You know, yeah, that you you your company managed. Uh, as a property owner, uh, I had a, I had a very good experience. But as you told me in the past, I was also a good property owner. You were right? a great property. When owner. you told me that something needed to be fixed. I said, fix it, and I cut you. You allowed the expert to be the expert. That's right. Every time. That's right. You're, I mean, if every owner was like you, things would be a lot easier in our business. Well, and, and, and let's be for sure, if you removed every tenant review from our, our ratings, our ratings would be through the roof. It'd be 5.0. We, we don't really have uh, issues with... With owners. Yeah, with owners right. who are so ultimately it's, So it's mostly from tenants. Absolutely. Upset now, tenants. Right, and, you, and you talked about the, uh, the, the number of tenants bad reviews went up along with the number of houses you're right. managing. That's right. Okay, but the restaurant has the same issue, right? Because if a restaurant has got 1,200 reviews and they have a rating of three instead of five, but they may have 50,000 meals that they've served that month. Right. As opposed to another restaurant that only served 10,000. Mm-hmm. Sure. So the quantities don't 
you know, matter there too, but they're not visible. It does. Like- it does. My contention is, is that, 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 that because of a, a emotionally positive experience that you receive in a restaurant, you're more likely to post the good review. Right. Oh right. my that, God. That was the best, amazing. you know, Kentucky yeah. fried or, or what would you have today? Country fried country steak fried I ever steak. had. And he's, he's, he's driving an hour to get country fried steak. It's so good. When's the last time? Was it, was it that heard? good? It was really that good. You want to go? After we go to the bar, we'll go get the steak. Okay. It is good. Frank and Moritz, let me give a shout out to give Frank to and Moritz them. here. Yeah. Local business, uh-huh. Frank and Moritz here in the McDonough. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah, Off the chart, good. But I would also say, again, getting back to the theme of how do you combat the, I mean, it is what it is, all this stuff we're talking about. More than likely, here's what I find out. So, so we've got some competitors, Joe, who have four and a half star reviews that have multiples, uh, thousand reviews plus in their arsenal. And I see that 4.5 star review. And then I kind of talk to some of their customers. It's not reality, right? They're being intentional about their reviews. Of course. They're, they're saying, this is the world we live That's in. That's the fake news part of it. Yeah. Is the review, especially in businesses that are not emotional, that are not in, transactional. Right. It's, it's very arbitrary. And so there's businesses out there that are, that are spending, that you're, that, that, in our business, we have to have them. We all do. We have to have reputation management companies to help you pull the good out of your good people, because the bad people are gonna are gonna go find you. And and, and that but that represents a, an element of fake news that we have to deal with. And by the way, it it, it, it imports into our psyche and our people's psyche. It does. It's defeating. It's it does. defeating. It's defeating. Now, now one of the things that's interesting is because last last five years at Motorola, I was a quality manager. Okay. And, and the number one thing that we did, and you see it a lot today, was get reviews. We get reviewed for what we did, mm. okay? And we used that review, okay, to determine how good a job we're doing, make modifications to what we're doing, and so forth and so forth. So, but we, we were very intentional about it. We solicited those quality reviews. We solicited them, and if we didn't solicit them, we wouldn't get them. We didn't get them because it's a transactional business too, right? Uh, if we didn't solicit them, we wouldn't get them, and we would have no data because we—I mean, we used a lot of this stuff as opinion, but we used it like it's hard data. Oh gosh! As soon as you get it, you use it like it's hard data. You do. And so, one of the things that that, that I didn't like about being in quality was because it really was. Fake news. I know. It didn't feel good, did it? didn't feel good because we're soliciting opinion and we're using it like hard data. Fake I, news. I want to say, Travis, I think you can speak to this. We've, we've, I say we, I say you, you've tilted your, your sales strategy here of, of late to back away from some things that we feel like were fake news. And to deliver truth. Yeah, I think so. So I, I think part of the opportunity that you have as a small business right now is to drop some of the traditional thought in terms of, I'm going to tell my customer what they want to hear. I'm going to make friends as quickly as I can. You know, put my arm around them. We're on the same team. Hire me. You like me, right? Like me, like me, like me. <laughs> well, what, what, what we find out to be true and this is based off Joe being so unlikable. Oh, okay. Is that I get that. Yeah. Uh, you get that. Um, <laughs> the only way we really can produce 
a relationship that lasts. Our, our business is, is predicated off of uh, a relationship that lasts years. I mean, right. if we have a relationship for six months or for a year in our business, that's a, we're, yeah, we're, we, we're going to lose money doing yeah. that. So, you know, having said that, we figured out our customers are dying to hear the truth, even if it means they're hearing something tough about themselves. <laughs> now, when you right. refer to your customers, yeah. who are you talking about? Yeah, let's look. Yeah. See, I see from, from, I see from over here, yeah. you guys have got two customers. We right? do. You've got the property owner as a customer, mm-hmm. and you've got the tenants that are a customer. Mm-hmm. We do, and it makes us a very unique business. There's others out there like this, but it's challenging because oh, those two, those two, we call the, the owner, our client and the tenant, our customer. Okay. That's right. And, and, and oftentimes are diametrically opposed in, in a, in a given situation. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're really agents of our, uh, clients. I okay. mean, we're acting. So on that's their a, behalf. that's a distinction. That, yeah, that's what yeah, I want to hear. Yeah. Clients absolutely. and customers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when, when we're on the front end, I mean, we have no tenant without a property to lease. So we're talking to the person who has the property to lease and what they're needing mm-hmm. to hear is the truth. In fact, I think what Joe and I have learned is, and this is part of the hard truth, man, the hard gospel you're ready for. If we're do if I'm doing a presentation to somebody and I'm talking about your rental house and, and you're telling me how great it is and I go see it and the roof's falling in and you the same car, carpet's 20 years old and all this stuff and then you're telling me uh, you need to get top rent for it. You need to rent it in two weeks. If I do anything other than tell you the truth, then I'm going to ruin the relationship now in two weeks when we don't have a tenant or, or in six months when we're evicting a tenant because I didn't tell you the truth, right? right. So what, what we're finding out here is people are craving that. Because they're getting told what they want to hear. And what, what do they want to hear in every industry? Hey, we'll perform at the highest level at an unbelievably low price. We all, we all right. kind of intuitively know that's crap. That's yeah. right. That's right. And one of the things that we always did at Motorola, okay, we were taught, and this never changed over 35 years, okay, is, is you, you manage expectation, yeah. okay, and you lower expectation and overperform. Absolutely. And when you do that, that's Everybody loves you all the time. Yep. Yep. If you charge a dollar, you got to give them $2. And, and, and to do that, you really are having to tell more of the truth. That's right. And, That's, and, and that not is, this inflated that is, that expectation. That's how you do it. Right. Okay. You tell them the truth and that, that manages the expectation to appropriate level. And then when you hit a home run, you, you've, uh, you've, you've gone above the expectation. They love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's that's the art and, and science of it there so all right let, let's let's keep digging here on where the, the the fake news may lie because when the fake news comes in it is perceived all the, the the first look is that it's the real news and you do yeah. need to act off of this review you got i mean it's it's all the news you got to act off that's all, of, right? all you got so where else does this pop up and we've talked a little bit about um online reviews this is kind of in that that ballpark Let's talk about employee feedback, right? Because mm-hmm. one of the things that I think is important to do is to approach your employees and say, hey, look, we rolled out this new program, this new product, this new system, these new hours or, or whatever it is. And we've been working in this model now. So, hey, uh, Mr. Manager, give me some feedback. So when you get that feedback, do we go, how, how, do, we, how do we take that? How do we process it to where we're making a decision off of the truth and not maybe an individual's perception well, i think the way where we start is as leaders of our team we need to have some understanding of of where each of our people are what their perceptions are what what 
even what political philosophy they come from, what are they, you know, even do they have kids or not? Because if we're talking about a family situation and they've never had kids or a husband or wife, they're going to be looking at it differently. So just understanding the foundational place where your people come from allow you to, to, to filter what they're hearing. I mean, what, what, what books do they read? What TV shows do they watch? I mean, this is all important stuff to understand how these people think, um, what, what their entertainment comes from, what music they listen to. I mean, this is, these are things that, that, that I can think as I think about me, myself that, that, that begin to shape what I believe and how I think and how I perceive. How you, how you filter stuff. How I filter stuff. Mm-hmm. And so when they bring something to the table, uh, I think the first thing we need to do is, is, is not react. And because and, reacting basically would suggest that you're, you're giving credibility that there's some truth to that. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think, uh, I always think of Tom Selleck and Blue Buds. He didn't react to anything. Right. <laughs> Tom Selleck just, okay. Took it all in. Yeah. Whatever you think. But let me tell you what it is. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you don't, <laughs> see, you don't react. And um, got a little Tom Selleck type deal going. On. I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> way way shy of Tom Selleck. Let's let's, let's be real. But he, has, he has more hair on his. No, head. he has a lot more hair, a lot more, a lot of things. But anyway, <laughs> but uh, if we don't react, we 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 have an understanding of where they're coming from. I think we have a better understanding of how to interpret what they're bringing to the table. Isn't it, isn't it also important to because. Fake news inside a company can work both ways. It can work fake news from the bottom up, fake news from the top down. Absolutely. 100%. Okay. So if, if you are at the top and you are uh, looking to sift through the news of the employees below you, you, you got to be fair, right? You got to make sure that you're not giving them fake news. That they are then. We got our own cognitive bias, which right. is which is just right. as common. Good, yeah, hundred percent, just as common. We yeah. I mean, we've all sat under leadership that held a meeting and they left, and everybody looked at each other and went, "Does he work here? Yeah, what? <laughs> what, what? What bubble is that guy well, living in?" It's actually a really great point because I think maybe oftentimes as business owners, leadership, we discount what they're bringing to the table when they're the ones in the trenches, right? When right. they're in exactly. the trenches, you know, slinging <clears throat> the dirt. How, you know, we do. We got. We got to be real careful. Yeah. Well, one of the things we've talked about today that we do, and we got to listen to that that person. But a good point that you brought up earlier was how are they? How are we compensating this individual that we're soliciting information from about a directional change in our business? And again, not assuming everybody's bad or not assuming everybody's going to just be. But even if they're subconsciously listening to you and thinking, well, look, you, you're, you're compensating me based on gross revenue and not, not gross profit. Is that, that should have been done earlier. That, that, that has I'm to always happen. late. I'm always late. I, I know the processing time when I speak uh, to you understand. I'm slow. I'm okay, slow. Right. I'm slow. So, you know, how, what, what have I put in place that encourages this person to maybe give me fake news? Is what I'm saying. Mm. You know, am I paying them off profit or revenue? Am I paying them off number of units sold this month or profit? What is their motivation? What is their motivation to give you the information? Right. Yeah. Motivation is, is powerful, yeah. powerful stuff. And so, so, but to turn that around and make it a positive rather than a negative, rather than what am I doing to solicit fake news from them? What do I need to do 
to solicit the right news. The right news. Yep. yep. Mm. So, so let's listen. Well, well, how do we drive? What is it, Dan? The, how do we drive the motivation yeah. for our employees for them to give us? The correct news. This is the Dan Angle. What, what do we need to do, Dan? This is the Dan well, Angle. It, it, it is a question. <laughs> I'm not in business. You guys are in business. Well, wait a this minute is, now. This what? is thought for so, 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 what, what, Wait a minute. So, so we've heard of the Motorola. I'm, I'm fascinated by the different views and different leadership and CEOs that took over. Yeah. Who, who got that? I mean, somebody had to get that right for Motorola to, be, Motorola to begin with. They had to align motivations throughout this huge company well they they don't ever get it right because if you get it right then you stay there right if it's working you stay there and they and they churn it all the time churn 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 that's like the athlete and some it's always something better that's right sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't sometimes new leadership comes in and they go back to an old idea that didn't work the first time and it rarely works the second time Mm -hmm. you know so during the course of all that what you really look for is the average of the success right Okay, because you never they never stay on the most successful thing. It always churns. So over time, you have to look at what is the average of their success. And if the average of their success is is, is in the climbing mode, yeah. then you continue to, to gradually climb. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in in our world, we start thinking about uh, folks that work for us and how to align what they want. But earlier today at lunch, we were talking about this, and we were – I'm about taking the time to get to know who they are and what they actually want. Like, like, how about ask them, why are you here? What are your goals and motivations for being here? And what would you consider doing a successful job? While you're and here? let's say this, we're, we're bringing in right now a, a, a consultant to help remove us from the process of, of, of getting that information. Yeah. We need the truth about what they're thinking and what they're doing and what they're feeling. So we're not getting fake news from them because they don't want, listen, nobody wants conflict, right? People for the most part, people shy away from conflict. And, and so maybe bring in someone else who can, who can get the truth that you might not be able to get because you're the boss. That's right. Because you're, because your consultant, okay. Is, has no direct influence over their situation. Right. So they feel freer than to, to tell the consultant. It's sort of like we've truth. been talking about last several weeks about, you know, you know, business coaches and counselors. I and mean, it's what they're there for. It's that right. third party to, to, to get the real information. Right. That you're not willing to give maybe to the, right. the, the close parties. But, but back to how do you motivate them? Okay. For me, the always the best motivation at Motorola was is when I felt part of the process uh i mean you know once you make enough money then money is a very low motivator okay i'm not i'm not familiar with that but i'm gonna gonna trust you (laughs) i I always was i always had enough money i was making enough money so money wasn't a good motivator but what was a good motivator is if i felt valued if i felt needed if i felt listened to if i felt part of the process if i had some Ownership, a sense of ownership, was the was the best motivator of all. That's huge. I mean, I, I don't think we can miss this. If you want to go the reverse of fake news, right? That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. People just want to feel considered, right? They they want to feel a part of it. They want to feel heard. They, they, they want to feel heard. Yeah. Well, and I think again, don't objectively build in something to the system. 
that creates a bias in them that, that wouldn't be there otherwise, right? I mean, I, I mean, I think we can, again, speak to our people who are good intention. They want to succeed. I mean, I think that was probably most people you worked with. They sh- didn't show up every day, year in, year out, right. and not want to produce. Uh, but if, if you build something structurally into the system, uh, which, again, I kind of think, who knows? Right now, part of our consulting may be something we just completely have a blind spot to in the business that is sort of preventing, and I'll give you this. So I did a study uh, back when I was at Harvard, Dan, <laughs> of uh, 100,000 different businesses. And um, it took me like eight, six, eight months. Yeah. Um, it was a tough year of my life yeah. uh, back in uh, New Jersey. Where's Harvard at? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was the Harvard in, in Clayton County over yeah. here, uh, Clayton, yeah. Clayton State, I think. But um, maybe your employee doesn't want to tell you the truth. The hard truth, and 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 so what I'm getting to is in most, is also fake news. It's also fake. Well, in most most small businesses, the hard truth is this: the boss, the owner, is the bottleneck. Oh yeah. And so when you really sit down to have that real conversation, hey Dan, let's talk about our business today. How are we going to move forward? And the whole time you're thinking, if you'll just go away for about six weeks, we'll move forward. Yeah, <laughs> he's the he's the fake news giver. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because right. the fake news goes up and down, just like yeah. we, so, we talked earlier. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you said something that was, that was interesting there just, uh, just a minute ago that, uh, that sort of triggered something uh, in, in, in my mind when you said uh, the process. Let's don't put in a process that creates something that we don't want. And, and uh, are you familiar with, uh, with Deming? Sure. The quality guy? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know. That's why Dem- Toyota still sells so many cars. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Actually because, adopted because, it early. Because, because yeah. Deming back in the, in the 50s and 60s, you know, tried to bring that quality to the U.S. companies. They and they were making money hand over fist after World War II, so they didn't need it, so they didn't mm-hmm. listen to him. Right. But who needed it was Japan because they were, they were devastated. So he went to Japan, and, uh, and, and they picked it up, and that's why they took over you know, all of our consumer electronic business and all that stuff, okay? Because they, they listened to Deming. 30 years ahead of us. That's right. That. So one of the things that, that Deming said was if you have employees that are not producing or not doing what you want, okay, rather than blame the employee, look at the system. Because 90% of the time, it will be the system that's the problem. And no matter who you put there, what employee you put mm-hmm. there, they would have the same failings because it is the system that's, right. that's the failure. That's right. What I, what I love about that, too, is that supports the argument that you use, you use 90%. Right. That means that, that at least 90% of your people, they want to do good. They want to do good. They want to do the right thing. Yes. Of course they do. That's right. And if they're operating inside of the, the right environment and the right system, they can do good. That's right. Well, and you, you don't even know if you got there. We, we talked about this the other day. You don't even know if you got the right people till the process is right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, exactly. I mean, yeah. You, you exactly. So, so, so that, that process is another way that you drive to the not fake news, to the good news, to the right news, okay, is you have a process in place that fosters the right news. I agree with that. Travis, you got, we got time for one more. One more? Well, powerful fake news that powerful. needs to be combated in, in our business, small well, we, business. I, I think this is one that you, you talked about a little bit. We talked about with reviews. I'll go back to it because I think it's such an influence on a small business owner, which is what are my customers saying about me? And I think on the outset, we all go, well, you listen to your customer. I mean, if you want to 
you want to get uh, a feel for where your business is and the perception, go, go talk to your customers. I think that's absolutely true. But there is some fake news embedded in customer feedback, right? right. Sometimes in order, uh, and, and sometimes that fake news comes at us in, again, we'll take responsibility for it. I don't put it on the customer in expectations that weren't set correctly. Right. Uh, and so the customer, and we say this all the time, if we don't set expectations for the customer, they'll set their own. Yes, they will. Right? So th- this is something revealing. And theirs will always be high. Always be <laughs> something you're probably not going to be able to meet. Probably can't do it. Right. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think in terms of fake news, value the customer's opinion is kind of where I fall with that. If you see a trend, you doggone better respond to it uh, quickly. But evaluate, why do they feel this way? Is it something I've done? Have I, again, built into the structure of, of onboarding a customer uh, an expectation that I can't meet? Let me, let me, let me shift that also to our, our previous conversation because it, it, this may be confusing to, to a, an owner, to a small business guy or big business guy because we talked about Steve Jobs. We did. And what Steve Jobs. In the pre-show. This is what he thought. Steve Jobs, former CEO of Apple, now passed away, is he believed, he didn't believe necessarily in customer feedback. <laughs> he, he actually believed that the customer didn't know what he wanted. He was the expert in, in, in this environment. And if you focus too much on what a customer tells you that they don't really know what they want, then you might actually miss what they really need. And I know I'm throwing a little curveball here to confuse no, no, this I, a little I, bit. I like it. I think you're right, you're right on. You know, but I think we need to be careful in this, Travis. There's a but here. If we allow our customer to dictate our business completely because oftentimes they don't know what they want. I agree with that. That's, that's, or that's, what that's, they need. Or what they need. That's yeah. my premise. But there's a but here, and Dan, it's a big but. Well, oh, that's, no. your that's your butt. That's your butt. Here's what I'm about. Here's what I'm about to tell you. All this Steve Jobs stuff. Tell, Bill, Steve, that's a big butt, isn't it, man? Steve Jobs came from the standpoint of reinventing, of revolutionizing. Now we did talk about the revolution, the, the revolutionary competitor, which I think is a different podcast. Right? It's another podcast. Tease that one right now. Write that down, Bill. Revolutionary, revolutionary competitor. competitor. Be careful of the revolutionaries, right? But. So he came to totally uh, say, look, the products you're buying today and, and where we're at today, I'm not discussing that. That's not my vision for this company, right? Having said that, my car mechanic that's fixing my car today, I don't want to, him to invent how to fix it, how to fix my car today. That's true. That's I, true. I want him to rely on a, a tried and true. I need those brakes to work this afternoon and I want to make sure they work in a way. That's so, you know what I'm I, I think there's different categories where you're, that you're applies, right? right? You're right, but I do. I think it's important because we've talked about it quite a bit in our business. Is is there something that's that's outside of the norm that our business is that we're missing? That not for the sake of revolution, because I don't think that Steve Jobs went in for the sake of revolution. No, I don't think I think so he had a vision that was so deep and core to what he believed was what needed to be that he just he penetrated it through all of the all of the traffic to get there. Um and I don't think that all of us are that and that's okay. And we can utilize our, our customers to help us determine where we should go to, to some degree. But but how do we how how do we 
how do we deal with it? Because again, I, this is something I've said for years, especially in the restaurant business and near and dear to my heart is I see small business restaurant guys open up with a Steve Jobs vision. So let me just go against Steve Jobs here. A Steve Jobs vision because I have the best rack of ribs known to man. Mm-hmm. And, and if I could just get my rack of ribs exposed to the marketplace, I'll just be a billionaire. Because I mean, nobody's had a rack of ribs like this before. My mom, <laughs> my mom tells me that's true, and my son tells me that's true, and my best friend tells me how good my rack of he ribs does. are. He does. He does. And so, what? What? Interestingly enough, what they f- often fail to consider is, is one, they probably don't have enough data to determine that a rack of ribs were that good. Right. I'm not sure Steve Jobs didn't have the data either. He he had a vision, but. They also didn't realize all of the other parameters that mattered to put alongside of that rack of ribs. Yeah. It's not just the rack of ribs. Steve Jobs' vision was was pretty simple, though, okay, and hard to relate it to a rack of ribs. It was. Because Stephen Jobs, all he his his vision, his initial vision was I want to bring the capacity of computing to the common man. Yeah. You didn't have to be some technical guy. Right. You don't have to be a it guru. It thinks the no, way I think. And, and no DOS. Works the way I work. You know, that's right. Works how my brain right. works. I want to bring the power of a computer to a broader audience. But, I mean, and that was a revolution. Amazon okay? did that too. A rack of ribs is not a revolution, right? It's not. No, the, the pr- more the process of getting the rack of ribs will be more of a revolution than, than the actual rack of ribs. Right. There's probably a lot of good racks of ribs out there. Right. Um, I mean, Amazon is only taking products that have been previously produced and create a revolution out of it. I mean, they I, they, revo- they revolution revolution distribution how you, how you sell it and distribution. Yeah, distribution yeah. And, and and access. Nobody yeah. would and that and, and to your point that no customer's expectations would ever be. I would order a uh, kitchen knife today at four o'clock. Two and, days and to, tomorrow. And get it think about that. How did this guy for free? How did he? Right. He had a vision way right. back then, and the vision wasn't the bookstore that he started out in. No. The vision was logistics. Oh, yeah. I'm going to figure out how to get products right. quick, the access to be easy. I don't have to. I mean, how, many, how frustrating is it today that he knew 10, 15, 20 years ago? How frustrating is it today to put in your full credit card number and have to pull it out of your pocket right. and, and get it all? He solved all that. And, you know, right. that, that, and, and look at, look at what, what we're talking about Bezos, right? Yeah. What, what, was, what was his first revolution and distribution, right? Because remember, he first started selling books. Then what's the next thing that he did? He was selling you books over the air. Oh, yeah, the, the digital streaming. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That was his first revolution mm. in distribution. Mm-hmm. It was digital books over the Changing air. Changing the type of media. You can buy a book and get it right now. The Kindle. The, that, that, that's part of the revolution. Kindle. We'll, yeah, we'll the bring Kindle. you back for the revolutionary uh, competitor broadcast. Because that, that's exactly that. That was putting a knife at Barnes and Nobles and everybody's throats right there. Yeah. So I think that's pretty so, cool. So wrap up But I would say this customer. Before, before we wrap up. I would Feedback. Say, here, here's what I think. There's a continuum in any small business. We're talking about creatives and inventing and all that. And that's cool and society needs it. Here's what I'll guarantee you now. I bet somebody in Amazon is looking at reviews right now on their service. Mm-hmm. I bet there is a, a, oh, yeah. somebody in Amazon that is taking the pulse of how it, are these shipments happening on time? Are, they, are the boxes broken when they get there? So, so they are listening to a version of their customer right now. They weren't listening for the vision of the company. 
But the execution of, of that vision, I guarantee these for the, businesses For the quality are, of their service. 100%. I'm going to give you a, just a, 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 a ending. We're, we're going to do We got to do, do, the, do as it. a man thinketh. But before that, we're going to do an ending thought that I have around sort of, because we brought up Amazon, Jeff Bezos. So apparently he has invested, he is, he is divesting over the last many years, billions of dollars of Amazon stock. And he's been investing in something new. And he has reportedly said that I see a time when Amazon is, 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 has been interesting, right? From, from a company that's, well, of course he does. If he's not, if they're not the biggest, they're, they're, they're going to be the biggest here soon enough. He's revolutionized the whole industry. Uh, and I don't know just that the idea that he, because he's built, this thing is so big and so massive now, his ability to change in flux is more difficult than it ever was, right? Oh, yeah. You saw that at Marola. You've seen that at Apple. You've seen that at some of these bigger organizations. Now they yeah. get so, the, I mean, the, the infrastructure is so large. It's, it, to, to, to morph and shift is difficult. Right. Small business, we can. That's the beauty of small business. Right. So he's looking at, well, I can't, you know, my guess is, is, there's no way to take this organization and do what I think the next future is. He's investing in a new one. Yeah. What is it? That's the next show. Oh, the next show. You yeah. got to listen. <laughs> you got to listen. All right. All right, here we go. And we, we want your thoughts on this random paragraph from as a man. For last Lincoln. several uh, episodes, we've I, I been, have, I have heard this on the last yeah. several episodes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and it boggles my mind. You know, you, you read from as a man thinketh and, it makes me wonder if I thinketh. <laughs> we're about I, we're about to find out. I don't well, know what it says. We, we do it very randomly. I have no idea where we're pulling it from, oh, and we're up. just going to figure out what it says and just see if it, there's anything we can talk about at the end here. I think I've done that one before. <laughs> it's not that big. There's, only, there's only fifty-six pages in the book. All right, here we go. Let's see. All right, it's just random here. Random, random paragraphs. Victories attained by right thought can only be maintained by watchfulness. Many give way when success is assured and rapidly fall back into failure. All achievements, whether in the business, intellectual, or spiritual world, are the result of definitively directed thought, are governed by the same law, and are the same method. The only difference lies in the object of attainment he who accomplished little must sacrifice little he who would achieve must sacrifice much or achieve much must sacrifice much he who would attain highly must sacrifice greatly dan that's what's, deep what's, what's the give dan, me the dan the, angle the dan on angle. that what's the dan angle <laughs> <laughs> SD. Well, to me, it, 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 it plays into the cycle of success and failure because almost everything that we, that we encounter in life goes through cycles of success and failure, success and failure. Right. And, and it says in that, in that paragraph that, 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 uh, I can't quote it because of the language is right. Right. It's kind of interesting, but, but it says something along the lines of, uh, the the more I succeed, the more I will fall back into failure. 
And that says to me that the more I succeed, the more complacent I become. And the more complacent I become, the more likely I am to fall back into failure. And there, mm. goes, there goes the cycle between success and failure. That actually may, that, that's a podcast right Dan, there. Dan, Dan, if you could read this book for your son and actually translate it into a, into a five-minute video so he, he, well, could, he could get it. The question it. Is, 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 it a, is it available for uh, you know Amazon Digital? Oh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Wow, that's a podcast, and that's a wrap. It's right. Is that the truth? Is that what you want? You want me to do a solo? You don't want that one? No, I don't want that one. We got, got the truth. We got We're wrapping truth. this thing up. Wake up, Bill. We got the truth. A small business. We got the truth. We got the truth. We want to thank we got the, the Dan Angle today. All right. Being on the Small Business, business Podcast. by Yes, I rent. Yes, I rent. Yes, I rent property management. Place good tents and collect your rent. Maintain your properties and account for it. Truce. We got the truth. And listen, I want to appreciate. We got the truth. You want to go? We got the big, big truth. Small, small business sponsored by Yes, I rent. I want to. Uh, I want to thank Travis today. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Travis. For thank for you. for bringing some talent to the show. <laughs> Just a portion. Just a portion. Can't give too much, but you could review our talent where, Joe? Google, Apple, Spotify. Spotify. Yes, I rent. YouTube soon. YouTube. Anywhere you listen to your podcast. And, and anywhere you listen to your podcast. And if you've got Alexa, just tell her to play the big truth. Because they, they she'll get you there. She'll get you there. We're out.